This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806? And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. This is the land of Christmas. The lights, the Christmas trees, every single house is decorated. It is just beautiful. Remember in London, you took on Goose? Everyone who was there is praying you're not doing it again. (laughs) It sounds like a tired old bit of pork at the end of it, doesn't it? You carry on like a pork chop curry. Come on, let's move on. (laughs) But I've really loved going to in-person shopping. There is a real buzz, finally, about downtown Melbourne, which is really great. It was just so nice to be walking the streets of Melbourne again. And I said to the girls, quickly, tell me something I have at Christmas. Of course, I had salmon mousse and everybody said, I haven't made that for 40 years. I vetoed the salmon mousse. I said, you can't do that. Oh, my (laughs) The whole day. She says it sets like a block of jelly. Not even like the. Have you ever seen one? It was beautiful. Oh, no, we all grew up with it. Isn't there a green sauce with the salmon mousse as well? Oh, well, sort of. A cucumber sauce, but it was a bit white. I'm joining Clem on the footpath here. (laughs) I'll clean the silver after all. (laughs) Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corrie Perkin. And welcome everybody to episode 201, our 201th episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. (laughs) And I am here with Caroline Wilson, my dear friend in Amsterdam, and half of her family are here in the studio with me, Julia Wilson. Lovely to see you, Jewel. Thank you, Corey. Back by popular demand. And the noisy one over there, the youngest child, Clementine Donahue, known on Instagram as Clemmy Donahue, the amazing cook. Hello, Hello. ladies. Yay. Also known as Julia Wilson's chauffeur. That's how she got here. You are. You do a very good job as a chauffeur. And we have uh, Jane, Miss Jane here, of course, who's keeping us all on the straight and narrow. Very exciting to be here, everyone. Thank you, of course, as we say each week to Red Energy, our uh, sponsor, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row and also to Prince Wine Store, our friends around the corner in South Melbourne, or you can shop via princewinestore.com.au and have the finest wines in the world brought to your door, as I am doing quite often at the moment. Caro, there's a lot of correspondence about our episode last week, our 200th episode, a party we had with you in absentia. Well, no, you were here, but you were over there. Um, I could only I could only look at the champagne, Corey. I could almost smell it, and I think you and Anna had a lovely time. But yep, no, got a lot of good feedback from our two hundredth, and um, I was thrilled that we actually got there, Corey. And I'm just so amazed that there were four of us today, and it's so lovely to see Clem and Jewel. I must say, well, in the flesh, it's it's lovely to have all of you girls here, the Wilson clan, the Wilson Donahue clan. Um, so just a couple of emails. Annie Schiller said, dear. Corey, Caro, Jane and Anna, talking about Anna from the Op Shop, who was our guest last week. And he says, just wanted to congratulate you on your 200th episode. I have just finished listening to the episode on my walk and was smiling and laughing out loud the whole way. The IKEA Snow Inn story was hysterical. Oh, Caro, you've missed your true vocation. You should be on the stage. Stand up. <laughs> well, this um, the Snowden stories continue because there's another Big blitz of weather coming, but nothing as funny as that one, although I still would have preferred to have been at the Oasis um, 
the Oasis tribute band Cover concert band. in the north of Annie also, the Yorkshire Moors. Annie also says, thanks for making me smile and sharing all your tips on book, screen and food. Today I plan to pick some of my agapanthus and put them in food dye to create candy stripes. Thanks, Jane, for that tip a few years back. Well, Caro, and she also says she's going to do Caro's spiced nuts. Mm, bet you eat the whole lot in one sitting, Annie. Um, Caro, can I just tell you, I can't show you because I don't want to lift up my laptop. I might lose you, but Miss Jane has done it again this year. The agapanthus are red and white. We will take <gasps> photos. We will put it on the Instagram account. Oh, look, she's going to show you. Oh, I can't. This was actually this was one of this was our first Christmas with Miss Jane. Don't you remember, Mum, when we came in and there were the red and white striped agapanthers? I couldn't get over it. I thought they couldn't have hybridised that far, but no, it was Miss Jane's <laughs> cleverness. <laughs> hey, um, Corey, I do I do have one apology, and um, before we start, I was going to do this. Um, no, I wasn't going to do it last week because it only happened in the last few days. Clem, I owe you an apology and I also owe Joe Campion an apology. A dear friend, we're not going to call her a slave anymore, Corrie. For years, Joe complained about making flipping eggplant parmigiana, <laughs> yes. Clem's favourite meal. And then Clem complained about it but still made it and said it was completely delicious and worth every minute. Corrie, uh, that is the most painstaking recipe I have ever made, individually frying every slice of eggplant, <laughs> dipping it in, in seasoned flour, which I made for Rose and Oscar because they moved house the other day. Um, Joe and Clem, I'm sorry that I rolled my eyes every time you bitched and moaned. She complained about um, the eggplant parmigiana even more than um, making those meatballs, didn't she, Clem? Yes. Joe, when she we used to make it for us. And it wouldn't be easy in a really small Amsterdam apartment because I had to get four burners gone. And then you just yeah, it, it's hectic. I tell you, it, it's a beautiful recipe, Miss Jane, and I'll be sharing it on our um, Christmas bonus. Yeah, it's an OG Gourmet Traveler on. one. It's really good and easy, but it just takes bloody four hours. <laughs> Tastes anyway, even better the next day, go. though. That's, so. Oh, your, da- your daughter, ju- your daughter just um, dropped the B word. Um, that's good though. No, we love we love being loose. Kevin from Geelong will be having a cardiac arrest at this point. Now, um, we thought rather than starting in Amsterdam as we do each week with you, Carol, we're actually going to start uh, a day in the life of Melbourne. How Clem and Julia both individually and as a team, because Clem is doing a lot of um, keeping your mum company while you're away over there. But how's life been in the last few months? for you both. Julia, this most recent lockdown, I did see you. We caught up for a little walk down at the beach. Um, But was this the toughest one of them all, do you think? No, not really. Darling, for old people who have lost a great number of their friends, natural attrition, um, it's perfectly like normal life. We don't go out at night much, so we don't go to pubs and restaurants. And, um, no, I'm sorry to say I didn't mind at all. And glamorous young sister Lil, who does step out in the scene much more than I do, she found it quite enjoyable, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Not having to put the makeup on in the morning. Clem, what about you? Your cohort, I think... 
probably, you know, the gang between 18 and 30, I felt most sorry for, I think, because that's a time of, they're the best years of your life, really, for going out, having fun, meeting people, meeting new friends. I feel worse for school leavers. I had a good five years of, you know, party on down. Like, if I wanted to, I could, you know... Yes. To much of mum's dismay, have a baby now and be fine. But no, I'm not going to have a baby. Um, <laughs> That's a scoop. <laughs> no, that I think we're all nowhere. very excited to be out and about again. But I think everyone's just exhausted. But you can't say that because you can't be. You can't say, "Oh, I wish we were in lockdown again." I wish you know, wouldn't mind a little snap lockdown because well, Julia, you wouldn't as, wish that upon anyone. But it's yeah, everyone's just crawling to the finish line. Well, that is 2021. And as, as Julia was saying when we came up in the lift together earlier, it is that it, it's just so bizarre that we have come out of lockdown straight into Christmas. It's exhausting. It is. It Had it been June or July, we'd still be in, as I said, two jumpers and jeans that no one could comment on because you didn't see anybody. It would have been absolutely fine. And it does put me in mind of English friends who came to live in this country and they couldn't believe that we could have Christmas and then six weeks of children at home at the same time. They have a very (laughs) intense lead up to Christmas and cook and then they, the children go back to school. We do it and now we've had lockdown, Christmas, holidays, so it'll be... Yeah, and and it's also difficult here, Caro, I don't know what it's like in Amsterdam, but shopping, we were saying it's just so hard to find the things that you want it would have been lovely to have started preparing for Christmas back in September or October and, and, for example, you know, getting together little toys and little people for the doll's house. I can't find little people anywhere. If anybody has a tip on little people, could you please um, just send us an email because I'll be reading it in the next week. Cannot find little people, cannot find certain items that I thought, yes, that would be good. Some books still haven't arrived. They're still on the wharves. So if there's a particular Christmas book you were looking forward to getting, then it's not here. It's it's just terrible. What's it like over there, Caro? Um, well, because I don't know what shops are normally like here, Corrie, uh, I'm, no, there, there's no shortage of stuff. Maybe with Europe, you know, it's slightly different. Um, things have got pretty drastic in terms of travel. Just yet, um, only in the last 24 hours, um, all of Britain were told they couldn't go to France after tomorrow night. So a lot of English people planning holidays, you know, Christmas in Paris, that sort of thing, that's had to be cancelled. So that last minute sort of disaster, a bit like happened with Melbourne and Sydney last year. Mm. It's a bit like deja vu. In terms of shopping, no, there's um, there's plenty of um good things to buy. <laughs> you found I've them. Had no trouble there. No trouble there. And um, I've noted, you know, but not knowing the rhythm of when the sales start, like I noticed um, Pretty Beto had a fabulous sale yesterday and, um, and you don't want to sort of maybe choose a lovely, beautiful maybe winter coat to bring back to Australia because next week it might be half the price. But no, there's, there's plenty of produce and the online shopping has gone absolutely nuts here and it is so efficient. I know it's efficient, Clem, for you when you order stuff online, but I can't, but Rose will order something and it often even arrives on the same day. Or certainly the next day. Yeah, Ozpost so, is still a bit of a shambles. But I've really loved going to in-person shopping in the last week or so. Like yeah, the streets it's are nice, buzzing, isn't it? It is touching everything, and yeah, it's nice. and and be, and and it, it, there is a real buzz it, finally about um, downtown Melbourne, which is really great. I met some, I met a friend at um, the wonderful Florentino Cellar Bar for a coffee the other morning, 
And the top end of Bourke Street is still a little bit quieter. There were a few protesters there at Parliament House, but it was just so nice to be walking the streets of Melbourne again. It's been a long time, although I still don't get the traffic situation, what they're now doing with traffic. Caro, now, they now have signs showing people how to do a centre turn. We, we grew up... <laughs> We grew up knowing how to. It was. It's in our DNA how to do that. Anyway, too much. She's signage. grumpy. She's grumpy. Hey, Ev, another another traffic uh, traffic one. Hey, um, well, you're talking about um, the Brits going to or not being able to go to France, Caro, and um, we have here in the studio your mum and your daughter who are planning to go to Sydney for the Sydney family Christmas. So, Julia and Clem, how are you feeling about Sydney? Are you a bit nervous? Are you being positive? I'm not worried at all about Sydney because I feel like we're both in the same kind of game right now. But I'd be nervous if I was, you know, planning a trip to Tassie or South Australia. Sorry, Jane. Um, But, yeah, I feel like because we're such a level playing field, they can't, surely they can't close borders. We can't have that. What do you think, Gran? I've got (laughs) simply no idea. But our host in (laughs) Sydney is determined that we all get it as we all should get it, and then that would create a mm. level playing field. Yes. Well, maybe oh, you that mean will get, happen. Get COVID, Mum, you mean? Yes. Selfishly, I don't mind. We call COVID mind. it, darling. <laughs> it doesn't oh. refer to uh, the it girl or something anymore. <laughs> Selfishly, I wouldn't mind getting COVID, but it's just the 10 days in isolation when it's my annual leave, like selfishly, oh. that, that just sounds like a Like nightmare. Daniel Andrews. So you heard that yeah. news, Caro. So Daniel Andrews has, um, on the weekend, he went to a birthday celebration, a party in Elwood. A few cheap shots, I thought, people talking about it being a swanky party with the high end of town. I'm not sure that that's true. They should say where you go, Corrie, on the weekends. <laughs> they got no idea. <laughs> they want to see top end of town. Stick with me, baby. But um, he, uh, somebody has tested. He, he received uh, a couple of days ago or maybe yesterday actually, the text that says, uh, you know, you have to have a test and isolate until further notice. And it was the first day of his annual leave. So I felt a bit sorry for the Premier, but um, he's doing the right thing and we'll, we'll wait to hear whether he has COVID. Oh, no, I did, that, that did cross my desk. I see that Princess Mary over in um, Denmark is in one half of the palace in Copenhagen and the rest of the family are in the other because she has COVID. It is the numbers here. I mean, I know the numbers look frightening in Australia and certainly Sydney seems to have gone nuts in the last few days, but over 80, I think it was 88,000 in the UK today. I mean, oh. it's just extraordinary how quickly, how quickly this one's spreading. But they're still not sort of too panicking about hospitals, et cetera. Um, and in terms of just the whole sort of Christmas feeling, I hate to say it, but you realise when you're in Europe for Christmas and we've all, well, Mum, Clem and I have done one European Christmas together and I've done several others. It is just so different here. I mean, this is where, this is the land of Christmas. The lights, the Christmas trees, every single house is decorated. I, I just can't believe how nuts the Europeans, certainly the Dutch and the people in, the good folk of Amsterdam go about Christmas. It is just beautiful. But because they don't have a huge traffic problem here, because it is true that pretty much everyone's on bikes or certainly the majority of the population, there's no sort of feeling of traffic or dreadful queues or anything like that. So it's been quite an easy experience, I must say, and very enjoyable. So what about this week's happenings, Caro? Have you, first of all, how are you and Brendan repairing after your COVID journey? And then secondly, what have you been up to? 
We've had a big week. Um, Rose and Oscar have moved into their new apartment and we helped them move. I mean, they did an amazing job and I think it was just helpful having us there. Um, so that is great. And I'm glad that when we leave, we leave them in a lovely new apartment. They've left their lovely um, uh, canal on Slodicata, which we'll miss, but um, they're in a lovely new area, although it's an extra five, six minutes by bike. So that's pretty exhausting. Um, the, I was riding my bike up um, Van Hustrat on Sunday when I heard this blood-curdling screech out of an apartment window. And then I looked in, the pubs were still open. It was before five o'clock, even though it was getting dark, people screaming in pubs. And it was only when I got home I realised that um, Max Verstappen had won the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix when they'd given him a dodgy extra lap against Lewis Hamilton. I don't know if um Yes, it's been a big, anyone's big story here, big story. Oh. I thought it must have been a, a soccer victory. I, I thought it must have been a football game. but no, And football games have been cancelled left, right and centre around Europe because of COVID at the moment too. I think Man Manchester United just got cancelled this afternoon. I cannot tell you the celebrations in Amsterdam. It was absolutely unbelievable. And my cultural highlight, Mum, I've never even heard much about this, but today Brendan and I um, went to the National Maritime Museum. What a beautiful place. Sorry, I just fell asleep. Maritime <laughs> museums in any town are always wonderful. Well, I've told you about I've told you about the one in Stockholm. Oh, Clem, come on, you know, show Clem, just at your age. In that in that case, Clem, I'll tell you that there's a special exhibition on at the moment um, about Va the Vandervelt father and son from the 16th and 17th centuries who actually worked at Greenwich for a while under the Royal British Court, but um. They the the son Vandervelt the younger's ship paintings, and the and an actual the Dutch a Dutch East India ship we toured Brendan and I it was a beautiful sunny day, it is one of the great unwritten un, un, unspoken about tourist attractions absolutely loved it. Can so, I can well, I just make going on here? Can I make an observation? You're nailing the Dutch accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just all those words are just coming off the tongue. Vanderbilt the younger. Um, no, it's a beautiful building Oi. too. So no, I've had a I've had a great week, um, but I'm missing all of you, and I look forward to hearing some more about what's going on over there, which no doubt I'm about to. Your mum and your daughter are going to be taking over the program from this point. First of all, we must visit the cocktail cabinet. We're in the mood after last week. Let's have another drink, girls. And here we are again with Miles Thompson from. Prince Wine Store, and if you can't get down to Prince Wine Store, there's one in Sydney and one here in South Melbourne. You can always visit princewinestore.com.au. It is a really terrific website, and uh, the lovely gang there will help you. Miles, welcome to the panel. Thank you very much for having me. We are talking Christmas, and we are talking Absolutely. Christmas Day. So what are you suggesting that we should imbibe in? <laughs> well, I think it's the perfect time of year for, for magnums. Um, so big bottles, so 1,500 ml, so two, two bottles. I think there's nothing sort of more fun and that sort of, you know, encompasses having people around and having a bunch of people and cracking a big bottle of wine. So I thought it might be fun to talk about a couple of magnums. Um, right. Well, what, what have we got? Well, look, I've, got, I've probably mentioned this producer before, Gigal, who is a, um, a, a Northern Rome producer in particular, but he produces a really fantastic Cote de Rome, which is a 50-50 blend of, of Shiraz and Grenache. 
He's very famous for this wine. It's it's one of his least expensive wines, and he has wines that are you know like a thousand dollars a bottle. And this is probably what he's almost most famous for in, in some ways, um, other than these special bottlings. And look, it's fantastic. I think it's like sixty five dollars. You get this massive bottle, Grenache and Shiraz, so it's nice and soft and easy, perfect for turkey, perfect for, you know, kind of whatever you're doing. It's a nice mid-weight sort of style wine. So really easy drinking, uh, really fantastic wine, and it always over-delivers. And so that's the Gigal uh, Cote de Rhone. And what is the price on that one? So that is, yeah, I think it's $65 a bottle it comes to. So for a big bottle like that, you know, you, you don't have to be too precious about opening it whenever you want. Um, it's a really, really sort of great, easy drinking drop. Carol, we might have the to... biggest challenge. The biggest challenge with Magnum's miles is um, finding room for them in the fridge and keeping them cold, isn't it? Particularly at Christmas time. Yeah, well, that's it. If you're going to have a white, absolutely. I have um, my fridge is finally set up set up to fit a few Magnums. Um, <laughs> can be a bit troublesome. Yes, with everything else in the in the fridge going on, maybe buy an extra esky. A very very large ice bucket, a Magnum of rosé. Well, big is ice bucket as well, absolutely. That's a great recommendation. And Miles, was yeah. there another Magnum on your list there? Yeah, look, I went something, you know, it is it is Christmas and I, I got, uh, we've got some access to some really fantastic champagne from a producer called Verve Forney. It's a Blanc de Blanc, 100% Chardonnay. That's what Blanc de Blanc means. It's $200 a bottle, but it's absolutely fantastic. Big bottle, great to celebrate with. Uh, so being Chardonnay, very fine, very elegant, um, really sort of, you know, very, very sort of light, almost aperitif sort of style, that really crunchy Chardonnay thing going on, lovely, soft sort of toastiness. Um, just This is such an awesome wine for the money anyway, and then in Magnum, it's just brilliant value. So Verve for me, F-O-U-M-Y, I think that's how we spell F-O-U-R-N-Y. it, yeah? F-O-U-R-N-Y. Oh, R-N-Y, sorry. Yeah, Verve like Verve Clicquot, but Pawnee. Yep, great. Sounds great. And then It is awesome. Now, Prince have these little cocktail packs, which I have been told by a certain friend of mine who's on my right here in the studio, thinks they're rather terrific. They are awesome. Um, Effie, the store manager, sort of put them together. She has been going nuts during all the lockdowns and experimenting with heaps of great cocktails. And these are a lot of classic recipes and a, and a few few sort of slightly sort of special ones like the aviation um, and she's got the uh, Corpse Reviver, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, the classics, Tommy's Margarita, um, you know, Manhattan, um, Martini. So there's about six or seven in all, and we're going we're gonna to keep adding to them. So they, all the packs have everything you need as far as the booze. We give you the recipes. Um, you just need, you know, some garnish, maybe some lime, something like that, and you're ready to go. They're really great packs. They're really cool. But they're going to be permanently on the website. We love them so much. Corey, we should say that coming up in the show under BSF, we're going to get a Christmas cocktail recipe from Clem, which sounds very simple and very yummy. But, Miles, I think the Magnum is a great recommendation and obviously, given the magnitude of what we're buying, a pretty reasonable uh pretty reasonable one as well. And Corrie, of course, um, we just need to put in the code M-E-S-S and um, say that Corrie and Caro sent you and um, we get the special listener discount. Exactly right. Thanks, Miles. We'll see you next week. You will. Thank you. Thank you, Miles, and thank you, Prince Wine Store, for bringing us the cocktail cabinet, as you do each week, and we look forward to working with you guys again in 2022. Caro, we did have uh, a question um 
from Felicity Brown via email. Felicity says, on the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast some months ago, Caro referenced her favourite Tasmanian sparkling wine. Are you able to let me know what that was? Was that Clover Hill, do you think? It was definitely Clover Hill, Corrie. And I'm sorry, Felicity, that I didn't respond. I (laughs) I must have just missed that one. Clover Hill, uh, Mum will agree, is one of the world's great sparkling wines. Yep, well, I'll certainly agree with that. Okay, so let's move on to Crush of the Week for Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. And Clementine, you have a crush. Yes, I do. There were a few candidates. You know, I could say Mum, Dad, you, Corrie... (laughs) Jewel, my nice boyfriend. But no, I've gone with a kind of semi-stranger. His name's Elias. And for every day during this year, I would um, go down to my corner shop. It's called the Bell Street Coffee Window and grab a coffee from the team there at the Bell Street Coffee Window. And it was just so nice because lockdown, no lockdown, would always just have the same sort of chat, very great little interaction. And then I'm on my way. And it was kind of like the one constant that was in my life. So... I feel like a lot of people could relate to me. And big shout out to Elias and the team at the Bell Street Coffee Window for keeping me sane. Oh, that's a really good, that is a really good crush because we did the same. We had the same little gang that would socially distance, although somebody, there was a rumour outside our coffee shop, Caro, that uh, somebody was sneaking past taking photographs of us because we were standing too close Whoever that dipper dobber oh, was, yeah. well, <laughs> but, not Albert and Marino at Paris. No, no, no. I'm, no, I'm, it, no, I'm talking. Ba- I'm talking down the beach, our favourite coffee oh. shop there. But you're right, Clem. It was the routine of the day, yeah, wasn't the constant, it? Constant seeing the same person every day because you know Mum was just going off to Europe on a whim, and yeah, it was just nice. <laughs> on a <whim>. Clementine. <laughs> you know, kidding. it's funny. It's funny because Brendan and I were having a similar conversation. How we're really going to miss the lovely girl who makes us coffee at our local Barbettes, and she's a brilliant barista and it'll that'll be she'll be one of the people I'll be really sad to say goodbye to good crush Clem um now BSF book screen and food uh for Red Energy once again thank you Red Energy for supporting us and book I'm going to hand it over to Jewel and Clem to suggest some summer reads or some Christmas book gifts Jewel what should we be reading do you think well I've been lent a very good book uh recently it's called I don't know how contemporary it is Pretty contemporary, I think. It's called The Unfinished Palazzo by Judith Mackerel. It's the story of the Palazzo Venier de Leone in Venice. And uh, it follows three people who owned it over various periods. One is the famous Marchesa Casati, an absolute legendary person of the turn of the century, they think now that she had Asperger's. She had such eccentric modes of behavior and clothes and, in fact, a dead set show-off reading it. Um, after her <laughs> came um, Doris Castle Ross. Uh, the, um, she was described as a professional mistress, a sort of girl around town of the 20s, and she... Um, finally married Valentine Castle Ross, Caro, who you would have heard of, who was a famous gossip columnist for Max Beaverbrook. She got to own it for a while. And the last one I don't have to talk about because it was Peggy Guggenheim and she started her Museum of Modern Art. Well, she took it from New York 
to Venice and um, displayed it in the Biennale when it was resurrected after the war. And it's one of my favourite muse- art museums in the world. Yeah, well, and it's in, a fascinating have, book. And in the garden, Carol, you've been to um, the Guggenheim in, Par- in Venice, haven't you? There's the wall. Yes, I've been there with Clem. Yeah, the, well, the wall where the Pekingese are buried. All, yes. all Peggy Guggenheim's Pekingese. They're, all their little ashes are in a particular wall. What a wonderful book. This did come well, into the shop a couple of years ago. I the do one remember about it. that, the story about the house is incredible. It was built by this Venetian noble family, but they got the first floor up and the foundations, the basement, but they never went on with the rest of it. And history doesn't relate why these wonderful three stories pictured in plans, were never created. So it's a very, uh, it's an anomaly that you would have a one-storey building on a canal. It is still an open tourist attraction. So when we can all travel to Venice, and in fact, the Biennale is going to be held next year because they've missed they've missed it this year. And um, we can all go and visit that. Miss Jane has her hand up. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to say, Corrie, that last week I think you recommended um, Hannah Kent's new novel, Devotion. Mm-hmm. I never buy new books. I bought it. I'm a Lutheran woman by heritage. It is breathtaking. So if you have any history of migration, immigration or escaping religious persecution in your family, especially if you're from the Adelaide Hills and part of the German migration in the sort of mid-1800s to late, it's the only thing that's inspired me to read my family history. It, it explains about why they left and this young... Isn't it a wonderful book? Oh, um, un- I was up until like 1am last night reading it, just couldn't put it down. So thank you as a recommendation. I just want to say... It's amazing. <laughs> uh, it, thank you, Jane. Um, Caro, our, well, all of our mutual friend, Mike Sheehan, and a friend of the pod, uh, was texting me the other day. He's, he's, he has a mate who he has a drink with every Friday night in the Sorrento pub. And the mate said, you know that girl who is, is on the, uh, that podcast and is recommending books? Can you ask her? I've got to buy the wife three books for Christmas. So Mickey Sheehan texts me, can, Dale, can you give us a hand? <laughs> I thought, yeah, sure, I don't have a bookshop. So I recommended, and um, apparently the friend said, they are great recommendations. That girl should open a bookshop. Oh, <laughs> good idea. Oh, There you go. What a good idea. Clem, any books you want to talk about? Yes, just a bit of a stocking stuffer for people you're not sure what to buy. It's called Scorcher by Tim Ross, and it's a new short story collection, and he's a comedian and... I'm not sure if you follow him on Instagram. He's a modernista and he has all these amazing photos of um, postmodernism in Australian architecture. Anyway, he's come out with this book, Scorcher, and it's um, it's got it's punctuated by really beautiful archival photos from beaches and pools across Australia. And I'll just read a little excerpt, which I think everyone can relate to. The sound of a bag of ice hitting the pavement, the feeling of salt on skin, and even the smell of prawns on midnight. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that sums up Australian summer. So, yeah, Scorcher by Tim Ross, and it comes under $40. So... Oh, that is a very good tip. Um, and, Caro, anything that you've been reading this week you want to mention? I've just started, and I can't put it down, Crossroads by Jonathan Franton, which I think has been recommended for our book club's first book of the year next year, Corrie. It is. Um, Nikki, our great friend, Clem's godmother, Nikki Bazzogni, told me she was reading this and was really enjoying it. And I'm so thrilled that I've got a big, fat book 
to um, hot tide me over Christmas. It sort of it starts in the 1960s. Fascinating story of a family. I think it's part of a trilogy. It's the first of a new trilogy. So loving Crossroads. Clem has a film or a screen, but before you do, Clem, um, I've hooked on to, I'm up to episode three of the most wonderful series on SBS On Demand. It's called La Fortuna, and guess who's in it? Stanley Tucci. Ooh. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> um, Stanley Tucci plays a kind of a bad guy, a charismatic bad guy, but this is uh, part it's Spanish, part English, and it is um, it is fantastic Um Stanley Tucci plays a modern-day pirate, Captain Frank Wilde. And Frank Wilde, it begins, uh, his mission discovers a whole lot of treasure on the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, who owns it? Where did it come from? And, and did it actually come from the 18th century Spanish shipwreck, the La Fortuna? And if it did, what role does the Spanish government play in trying to get that money back from pirate Frank it's fabulous. Black mm. comedy. It's on at the moment, or you can do SBS On Demand. Caro, try and get it over there because you will love it. It, it. You know, if you're locked in at 5 p.m. because of lockdown in Amsterdam, um, this is this is one for you. Now, Clem, what's your screen? It's a Danish film. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. It's called Druk, which translates to another round, and it follows four high school teachers that come up with this idea that they're going to kind of microdose themselves with alcohol every day and see what social and professional um, like it has on their lives. And hilarity and drama ensues, as you can imagine. Um, but I just don't recommend going to this film when you're violently hungover in a packed cinema because I did that the other day at Cinema Nova. And let's just say Clem. the median strip on Rathdown, oh no, Drummond Street nearly saw some of my spew. So yeah, that's just my one tip. <laughs> Don't go in hungover and Jules giving me a bad look right now, but um, no, it's a great I film. I loved this film, Clem. Yeah. I really loved it. I actually watched it on the plane. I'd heard about it. it it's incredibly funny in moments, but it's very, very sad too, mm, isn't it? It is. At the beginning, they all become better teachers as a result of having a drink or two on the job and particularly the main character who um, has really lost his students but um, and he's the main story but it just gets more and more wild and wacky and it's rotten I wouldn't say it's a Scandi noir it's a sort of um, Scandi comedy with a very very dark twist but Car- great Car- idea. Cara do you remember I told you a, a couple of months ago before the most recent lockdown I met my friend uh, our friend of the podcast Jane Lamerton for a movie and I booked tickets and um, she was late. So I said, look, I'm in cinema, blah, blah. And the shorts were beginning and Jane's texting me, where are you? Where are you? She eventually finds me down the front and we sit there to watch what was going to be an Italian comedy. And she whispers to me, it's in Danish. <laughs> and we were, watching, we were watching that film. And she said, do we stay? I said, well, let's give it five more minutes. And after five minutes, we said, let's go and have a drink over the road. <laughs> We're in the wrong cinema, watching the wrong film. So I have, I have seen oh, five minutes no. of this film, but I it did walk out. It does put you off alcohol, Clem. I do agree. Definitely mm. puts you off alcohol. I do I remember um, that happening to me, what happened to Corey. Mum sent me and a friend off to a film called The Mortal Storm. Oh, she said it's so good. It's about twins. Well, if you've ever watched a film and you're waiting for a twin to appear, I can't tell you how <laughs> disappointing it was, but a wonderful old movie with James Stewart. 
but no twin ever appeared. And we got home and Mum said, yes, I think it was another film I was thinking of. <laughs> Clem, I think we need a cocktail before we need a recipe. Tell us about your Christmas cocktail. Yeah, well, my theme for the rest of the year is just keep it simple, stupid, and spend more money on the products and spend less time in the kitchen. So this is a very easy one. This is a Paloma, and it's just a shot or two of tequila, and then you just fill it up with ice in a tall glass and top it up with cappy, which is Australian-made grapefruit soda, and fresh lime juice, and that's it, and a big wedge of grapefruit, and it's just so refreshing so yum. You can also do it the old-fashioned way with ruby red grapefruit juice and oh, some delicious. soda water, but it's just perfect on a hot summer night and you can have ten of them. There, Clem, there's a big difference between a shot or two of tequila. <laughs> you know, it's been a tough year. We ought to say to have a shot or two of tequila. Well, Gran's like, no. <laughs> but all I can say, what a world I've endured to live in that when red grapefruit juice is called old-fashioned. I'd call it dead modern myself. Joel, what's your recipe? Oh, well, look, this came from a good friend of the podcast and a good friend of the Wilson family over many, many years, Jenny Smith of Jenny Smith Garden fame. It's very easy. In fact, I really think it's old-fashioned pork chasseau, but... Two pork tenderloins, about 500 grams. Just brown them in the oven with three garlic cloves and then um, brown them on top of the stove, I mean. Put them in the oven with three tablespoons of cedar cedar vinegar. One and a half (laughs) tablespoons of soya sauce, half a cup of honey. Keep them in the oven for... 15 minutes on 180 and then take them out and let them rest for five minutes. She said perfectly Mum, that, delicious. That sounds... It's a lot of cooking and baking exactly, of that. It sounds exactly like your old chalsu pork, but you don't marinate it. You add it after it's in the oven. Well, that's what Anne Ramson and I said, but she said, no, it's completely new, but we did feel it was old pork shell soup. (laughs) Never mind. You know, at Christmas time, you want something tasty. Spicy. Spicy. I want that nicely written out for the show notes. I think it sounds absolutely delicious. I haven't seen a pork fillet anywhere in Amsterdam, but I do look forward to trying that when I get home. But just well, not, not having a crack at Jenny because we love her and she's a fantastic cook, but that seems to be a trifle overcooked. So you've, you, you're, you're searing it on the oven, on the cooktop <laughs> oh, before. For a minute. Quickly and then you're sticking it in the oven you know. for a few, and then you're letting it rest. Oh, yeah, that sounds normal. Come on. It sounds like a tired old bit of pork at the end of it. Doesn't it? You carry on like a pork chop curry. Come on, let's move on. <laughs> oh my God, it's exhausting being in your family, Caro. Uh, you know, over. I'm handing them back to you. Well, look, honestly, we had our annual bridge day yesterday, and I said to the girls, "Quickly, tell me something I have at Christmas," because I had um, salmon mousse, and everybody said I haven't made that for forty years. I vetoed so, the salmon mousse. I said you can't do so, that. Oh, why? <laughs> the whole day was she a says bit it sets like world. a block of jelly, like yeah, not does. even like the. Di- Have like you a- ever seen <laughs> one? It was oh, beautiful. No, oh no, we all grew up with it, Joel. You never no, know. I'm it glad. Might come I'm glad. You- it might come back no, in fashion. No, it won't. And we had a <laughs> constant spry rice salad. 
Oh, oh beautiful. Isn't there a green sauce with the salmon mousse as well? Do oh, well, sort of. A cu- cucumber <laughs> sauce, but it was a bit white. <laughs> okay, I'm but joining, I'm joining Clem on the footpath here. <laughs> I cleaned the silver after all. God. There's the title. Of the so you had to still put something in it. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Um, now, Corey, I'll I'll take over here. That was BSF for me. Could you? Because I'm throwing up in the back corner here. A leader in renewable energy, Mum's friend Jenny's pork with vin- cedar vinegar and um, soy sauce and lots of other things. It's going to be on the show notes, as is Clem's cocktail, the Paloma. Isn't a time you called Red Energy on 131806? Now, Mum, I gather it is your turn this week to be grumpy. Yes, I am very grumpy about the most extraordinary ad that's running on our television. It's a man, a middle-aged man. You see him devouring about four meals, and you see the clean plate at the end, rather, you know, in the fashion of the Cornish fisherman. And the point of the ad is that he's psychologically disturbed because he finishes every meal with a clean plate. Now, if we hadn't have finished every meal with a clean plate we would be told, remember the polls. I can't believe that it's now sinful and evidence of psychological damage that you finish up everything on your plate. It's a horrifying ad to people of my age. The world's gone mad. Can I just ask, can I just ask about the re- remembering the polls? What, were you told that as a child? Yes. Because they were starving in Poland. Yes. The oh, Polish people were the most, we were told, the most damaged people in Europe. And so we were always to. Caro, Caro in our time, eat and, our and, food. And, and Julia, you probably said this too. My parents used to say, remember the starving children in Biafra. Do you remember that? That was what we were told yes. when we were growing up. No, you're right, Julia. Yes, we had we to were... eat everything off our plate or you weren't allowed to leave the table. What's this ad for? <laughs> Mental illness? Is Mum, it? Is, it a, is it a government ad? Is it a no, no, ad? I think is it's it? an ad for some sort of weight loss. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's bad. It's, well, they do say that on weight loss programs. You're not meant to finish everything on your plate. But I would suggest just put less on your plate in the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Don't put it there in the first place. Oh, no, it's simply yeah. dreadful. Oh, can't wait to see this ad now. Um Thanks, Joel. That was a very interesting grumpy. Um, I've learned about the polls. <laughs> Corey, I have to interrupt here. Mum's initial grumpy, she's too scared to do because Clem got so angry with her, which was um, our old school has um, changed the name of um, one of its houses because um, it, and it's been written about. I think people have written about this. You think? It was, it was named the after a- the lead story in The Age and all day on 3AW and hit the press, Caroline. Oh, so, what, so okay. why, why has it changed its name? What is it politically incorrect? It's after, is it John Batman? Is that correct? Is his, his name? Yes. Yeah. One and of the houses of, is called um, Batman, Melbourne and all the other Batman. ones are, and all the other names of the houses. Just for the record, are named after founding women who like started the school and first principles. So the name Batman was always the odd one out, anyway. And not gr- Batman, Batman, yeah, yeah. And a <laughs> and a group, a cohort of U12s, just said, "We don't think it's appropriate because he's oh. obviously known for persecuting Indigenous people." And so they put it to a vote, and the overwhelming majority of grammarians and old grammarians 
voted for the name change. So and they're going to change it. They're going to spend this year. Change it to Wilson after Caroline? Yeah, or? after Caroline Wilson. That's it. Yep. What colour would you like to be? If, if, you were go- if they were going to name a house after you, Kaz, what colour would you like your house to be? Well, I wasn't in Batman anyway. I did go to um, um, Melbourne Girls and uh, uh, not all the houses are named after women founding women. One was named after the Archbishop of Melbourne, Clem, who had a lot to do with the foundation of the school. But the others, yes, all were women involved with the school. And although I think it's right to change the name of John Batman, I think Mum's point is quite an interesting one, which is um, well, you, you, you see him as a period of his time, don't you, Mum? Of course he was, yes. But we can still acknowledge history and learn the history without, you know, putting them up on a pedestal and using them as a name at a sports carnival. It's so funny, though. So many old girls of my era, Caro, have got alarmed about it and the general um, woke atmosphere of the town. But uh, when you're talking about it, everyone got so fired up, they were all saying, what do you think about Batman? (laughs) We've quite forgotten (laughs) we meant to call him Batman. So other people would look at you, what's Batman? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Corrie, as Mum points out, um, Lord Melbourne didn't exactly have a clean slate, but I I suppose that's the name of a city. Well, Moreland City uh, Council has just overturned their name after a big vote, and that's going to cost them a few million dollars to change the name over the next two years. But, you know, important stuff. Mm, Don't mention it to Aunt Lil. (laughs) Aunt Lil is not woke. (laughs) The children are our future grand. I'm sorry, but, you know... Um, Wilson sorry, family. sorry, I've rather gone off. <laughs> yeah, we've gone off. We've gone, gone off. off just, there. <laughs> shall I, Corrie, I'm shall exhausted. I um, pick off um, six quick questions? Oh, could, you, could you please change the subject? Thank you. Clementine, what was your funniest press conference moment of 2021? April 2020. Oh, sorry, it's 2020. But anyway, it's right at the start of the pandemic. Mark McGowan asked about a man who was fined in New South Wales for having a kebab whilst on a run, and he just loses it and he's laughing so hard. And he's like, "God, they do things differently in New South Wales." And even the like sign language interpreter like couldn't keep up and was like pissing themselves laughing. So that was one of the funny moments of uh, COVID. Um, Julia, I have a question I've been dying to ask you for ages. Megan and Harry, the Sussexes, where do you stand on them? Love them, hate them, ambivalent? No, I'm just sorry for Harry. What does he do in that palazzo in California, is it? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. I just think it's so absolutely stupid. It's got nothing to do with race or gender. It's just you get a bossy woman in any marriage, and I think that's what the text line will just be so mad this week (laughs) with all these bloody hot takes from Grant. Um, The one I'm terribly sorry for is Will. They were brought up such an isolated couple. They were together the whole of their lives, as the Queen was with her sister, and how he must need some backup and support for someone who knows exactly what happened in their childhood. I think it's so desperately hard on him and so unfair that he should lose hair and not Harry. Oh, I think Harry's lo- not. Not that this has got anything to do with it. I think Harry's getting a bit jumpy. There's a little bit. There's well. a little. Yeah, there's oh, a little yeah. bit of a oh, shiny. Look. You could see Harry's shiny top at uh, at the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral. Jill. Oh, could you? So yes. he's losing a oh. few follicles there. Oh, look. Well said, Mum. He's just now, not smart. 
Clem, you're heading off on a road trip like many people are as we head towards Christmas. Give us your top three road trip tips. Oh, well, there's endless tips, but I think this is just the most basic one. Before you go on Google Maps, any kind of bakery, um, uh, monument or favourite beach or coffee shop, just press like the one to go on Google Maps and then it just pops up on your phone. So when you're in that town and you go, God, I really want a coffee and instead of having to spend all that time searching for it, it's just there on your phone and you can go straight there. It's great. And I've already got nearly 100 for my road trip. <laughs> one to go. <laughs> one to go. So you literally type in. 100 coffees, Clem. You type into your Google Maps. Like, You'll be in the toilet the whole time. So you know when you type something in and it says like directions, like take me there. Instead, you just press want to go and it's got a little green flag. And then when you go onto your map, oh. your whole map is just filled with little green flags when you enter that town. It's great. Can I just say, Clem has got every meal planned <laughs> She has got every course in every meal planned in every town. Poor. Where are you going, Glenn? England. Where are you going? No, going to Sydney and then going the coastal way down back to Melbourne. Oh, with with thirty seven cups of coffee under your belt. So excited. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of food, Caro, you're preparing a Christmas meal in a winter climate. What are the differences? What are your tips? Not goose. Well, it's (laughs) terrible. What did you say, Mum? Remember in London you took on goose? Everyone who was there is praying you're not doing it again. (laughs) No, no, the goose goose with the apple stuffing has been um, put aside, although Oscar was pretty keen on goose. Hysterically, Corrie, it's so natural to be making what we normally have for our Christmas meal in Melbourne or Sydney in Amsterdam because we're actually having the correct meal here, which is a lovely big roast with a beautifully glazed ham. Um, I'm doing Clem's beetroot cured smoked uh, salmon, beetroot cured, sorry, salmon gravelax to start with. I think a bit of gin in there too, Clem. Beautiful. One of the all-time great Christmas recipes. Um, and and obviously and a roast turkey and others are contributing roast vegetables. Are you doing a hot, a hot pudding, Caro? Rose is doing pudding. I've given that task to her, and I don't know if it's hot or not. I don't think so. The, the biggest difficulty is um, Clem will know this, and Clem's friends are a bit like this too. Not many people eat meat over here, certainly not the young. Uh, eating meat is quite unusual, so getting them over the line, they're all very excited about the ham, and they think the thought of bread sauce is just a lovely old-fashioned concept. And um, the Swedish family members who are coming over apparently are very good cooks and one of them um, helps run a gin distillery. So I'm very excited about what she's going to bring. But um, I am concerned about the herring. I'm told Swedish herring is acceptable, but herring from anywhere in the Netherlands is absolutely dreadful. You know how how I feel about herring. But, um, Caro, no salmon mousse on your menu? No salmon mousse, just the gravel. The biggest challenge is just working out the best butchers and, you know, that sort of stuff because you don't have all your local people. But I've managed to nail all of that in the last few months. So, Corey, I've got got to say I'm pretty happy. Clem, would you like to ask your grandmother a question? Gran, what was your biggest Christmas Day disaster? Well, I don't think we ever had a specific one. Caro will remember what went on at the beach at Portsea. We had the wonderful... State-of-the-art 1940 electric oven. And Mum would storm down the stairs saying, look out, everyone, I'm going to open the door. 
you'd open the door and the person nearest would be blown back by the blast, the hot blast, into the fireplace behind. The worst oven, the worst oven. Well, it was a wonderful cooking oven, but... The, it was, but It terrifying. released a storm of energy unlike anything ever seen. But all I can remember of a specific disaster was the year we went to the beach in a ute and came back. One of uh, my husband's Christmas presents was a bottle of Adam's Port. Well, all his friends, I think, they all drank so much they'd exhausted the possibilities of beer, wine, whiskey and gin, and they were all heavily into port. And they cost a fortune, Portuguese port, and it was broken between the back of the ute and the front door. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And all over everything else as well, probably. Caro, what's your Dutch fact for the week? I'll, I'll leave you with um, something that has been building for the last few months, Corrie, and that is a Dutch saying that I didn't know was a Dutch saying. I mean, the English, the, the translation is we are not made of sugar. And this is true about the Dutch. It's what parents say to their children, you are not made of sugar. People say it to each other, we are not made of sugar. And the point of the saying is that the Dutch are tough and they really are. The weather here is no different than in the UK, but people just don't talk about it. People ride their bikes in searing storms and they, if it's raining, I mean, it's so funny watching dozens, hundreds of school children riding their bikes to school every day. It's pouring with rain and their parents send them off. Nobody, you know, worries about putting them in cabs or putting them in cars. Um, most families don't have cars and those who do only have one. So they're not made of sugar. We zin niet van suka gemat or gemat. And that's what everyone says to their children. And the Dutch pride themselves as being much tougher than the British. I mean, this rivalry goes on, obviously, um, back from the old, you know, trade wars of the 1600s and before. They just are very, very tough and very, very resilient. And I'm really noticing it in the cold weather. They sit outside and they love their babies being outside and getting fresh air. They're all rugged up. They go out in weather we would not consider going out in. Well, oh, Caro, as, Caro, as you and I always say, you know, our GLT, one constant over the four years we've been doing our podcast is it's all about the clothing you wear, isn't it? There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. I just sometimes arrive at someone's house and I expect someone to give me a pat on the back. You know, I've ridden in 20 minutes of searing rain and blizzard. <laughs> you walk in and it goes, hi, and you go... Oh, gee, you, you would think someone would, you know, give you a nice cup of tea. Or, or a French a nice 75 tea, or just something, you know, yeah. take the edge Everybody's off. just, everybody's just used to it. It's just, it, I mean, I, I hope I keep up the bike riding. I really do because it is, it is much easier to get around. And after a lovely long dinner, it's a very good way of exercising and, you know, freshening up before you get home. But they're very, very tough. And I think um, a very interesting race. Well, you are not made of sugar, Caro, nor you, Clem. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is that a compliment that a she's compliment? asking? Um, we have had a lovely time with your family here, Caro, with uh, your youngest daughter, Clementine. Clem, lovely to see you. Thank you for having me. And time to come home now, Mum. Miss you a lot. It's nice to see yes. your face on the screen. Oh, I'm going to cry now. Oh, Jane, I'm going to cry. And, of course, Julia lovely Wilson. Julia Wilson, one of the great friends of oh, the podcast. No. So popular. We love having you back in the studio, Jewel. It's so nice to Darling, see you. Darling, I'm 
slowed down so much over the pandemic, I can hardly get a word out. But, Caro, I have missed <laughs> any reference to St. Nicholas. Sinterklaas? Oh, well, um, we, we talked about Sinterklaas a few weeks ago because there, well, Christmas obviously is the big thing is Christmas Eve and we're having Christmas on Christmas Eve. That's going to be another unusual one this year, Corrie. But um, St. Nicholas arrives on the 5th or 6th of December with his sidekick who we spoke about a few weeks ago, Black Peach, who is a a character from the mid-1850s, and he's a bit controversial because of, you know, racism and blackface and all of that. Um, People get Also known known as Sooty Peach. It's now become known as Sooty Peach. But, yeah, no, St Nicholas, and there was a lot of um, sort of, Oh, some lovely sort of military eight, eight, mid sort of eighteen hundreds regalia a few weeks ago, and a lot of band playing. And um, but yeah, oh. Saint Nicholas will be coming to our house on Christmas Eve, but he's already made an appearance in Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago. And are my oh. presents on their way because Oscoast is pretty bad at the moment. So I'm um, hopefully they'll come no, today Father, or Father tomorrow. Christmas, or? Santa Claus. What's his name? Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Are we bringing them on Christmas Eve to you, Clem? Just you wait. Perfect. It, it doesn't come to children who are bad, Clementine. Remember that one. Um, Julia, <laughs> You'll be getting cold. Julia, no, lovely no, to have you on the show. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for having me. And um, I just have to, I know we paid tribute to uh, Jane Neild, our wonderful producer, last week for yeah. our 200th show. But, Caro, here I am lifting up. Jane has made the annual um, gingerbread for us all. Honey biscuits, so Corrie. Nice. No honey biscuits. Yes. Apologies. My favourite. Apologies. And I'm beautiful, jealous. beautiful flowers for us. And um, I have no presents to give anybody. I'm Spoiled so badly button. behaved. But um, it has been a lovely. Uh, we're having one more episode before the end of the year, everyone. But I've enjoyed our Christmas gathering. Thank you, Clem. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Prince Weinstore. Thank you, Red Energy. And everybody who listens, thanks heaps. Uh, don't forget you can contact us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. And Clementine, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131806? And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world.